Thank you for being a patron of Bluebells Forever Podcast. Cameron Lee. I don't usually sing the entrance, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) So I am really glad that we got to work this out because I feel like I used to see you almost every year when you'd come home and it seems like it's been less and less. You're definitely now an LA dancer. But you came out of Westlake Dance Center, and I'll talk about, have you talk about that, like how young, because I knew, saw you, I'm going to tell this story first, <laughs> at a dance competition, LADF, and your mom was really short, and you, you were already taller than her in this episode. You were doing something, and she was carrying you out. <laughs> you, I think you were having a fit or something. <laughs> she had you by the chest, and your legs were hitting the floor because you were too tall for her then, and I remember like, who's that? And like, I knew I knew your mom was, I loved her choreography. Then I watched you come into West, like, like, Oh, that's, that's Cameron Lee, Kenny Lee's son. And so I've watched your journey and I have to say, I'm very proud of you, not just for your success, but for your work ethic and what you keep giving back to the dance community, your integrity. I love when you get, you don't do it anymore. You used to get on these rants that were so good that made people go, Oh, Cameron. And people some, sometimes might bristle a little bit like, wow, he's saying the truth the things that, um, you know, you've, you've learned a lot in your career and we could talk about like, we you know, when you're 20 and you go to LA and now that you, you know more things and you've matured. And so I'm sitting across from mature Cameron. So welcome. Yeah. Lots changed. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and I always ask this question and I didn't really give you much, but it's bluebell adjacent. So you have to know what a bluebell is to know what you're adjacent to. So any guess of what I told you, what a bluebell is. You could totally make stuff up and nobody's going to judge you. No, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. I don't. I mean, other than what you were kind of describing to me, I mean, I, before that, I didn't know anything at all. So no. (laughs) There's like Aaron Gordon. I had him on. He actually started research. He started listening to podcasts and learning things because, you know, there's dance history. And this is part of my history that I never paid attention to. So when I went back for reunion, I'm like, this is a part of dance history. These people in cabaret, like Josephine Baker should be in more than dance history than it is. And like what comes out of the cabaret scene. And there's a lot of progression that happens in cabaret. It was just push, pushing the envelope a little bit more. It wasn't to shock, but it was just like, these are where the people who are different make their art. Mm-hmm. So it just felt important to do that. And so I just like, if anyone even gets a tiny little interest in this to know, you know, Beyonce's stuff is influenced pink by cabaret. You know, not yeah. the feathers and the showgirl thing, but it was done with class. And I know, and it's crazy. I know what cabaret is. I just never heard of that. So, I mean, I'm over here with my smartphone. I'm like, do I Google it? So I have the right answer. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, yeah, because I didn't know. I was in it and I ha- was hired by Miss Bluebell. I had no idea how famous she was over in Europe. Mm-hmm. I was just thrilled that I got the job and didn't know anything till years later. And now we're going, wait, what? This was the most prestigious cabaret in the world and the history of all this and the people that came out of it. It's so, I just, yeah, there's just all the dance history you can get lost in forever. And this is the one I kind of, the lane that I got the most excited about. So I go on, I'm teaching showgirl classes. I have my night in Paris and maybe three people are interested. I'm okay with that. (laughs) For me, it's just like, this is something that I find fascinating. Yeah. So you would be considered Bluebell adjacent because you are a dancer that came out of my studio. You are still a professional dancer. And so we have the commonality of auditions, getting jobs, not getting jobs, longevity, all those things we have in common. And so I think every dancer's story is interesting. 
So even though I know parts of yours, every interview I do, I'm like, I had no idea, probably 90% of your story because we just get the highlights on social media and then what we see the studio. So I will be also curious to hear your story. I mean, now that we're not getting as many Facebook rants, there's definitely probably <laughs> more. <laughs> <laughs> like, what is camera? Think right now. So God. where where did you grow up and how did you start dancing and why did you start dancing? All right. Well, I was born and raised in Tacoma. And then um, after my parents uh, split, my mom moved to Auburn, but that's where her studio was anyway. So I think that's why she moved there. Um, and. Yeah, I started dancing, taking classes when I was four, but I was still dancing way before that, running around in the room while the girls were dancing and rehearsing <laughs> and always in the way. My mom never had a sitter. I was just like literally living in her studio. And so I think she, I mean, she knew I wanted to dance because I wouldn't get out of their way, you know, <laughs> and she would have Tiffany Miles' mom, Michelle, uh, watching me while she ran the front desk. And Clearly, I wasn't, you know, clearly she couldn't multitask with maintaining the front desk and me not running into the room during classes. But I think eventually um, Tanya with Allegro, she started teaching at my mom's studio, I believe, in 93. So 92. So I think that was around the time that I started taking classes and she started teaching the younger kids because my mom only wanted to teach performing group. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> She got all like the teen classes and the and the little kids and the baby classes. And yeah, I started with tap with Tanya. And um, yeah, technically Tanya was my teacher before my mom. So that's crazy. What's your mom's story? Because I know I loved her style. It had an L.A. vibe, but I think either I took a class from her or I seen her stuff, but she didn't seem like Washington. Like what is what was your mom's training? You know, her training was all in Washington. Uh, really? Yeah, I believe she trained in Issaquah. I can't remember where, but I know she trained growing up with Marty from backstage. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. And so they grew up dancing together. And then after that, I think, yeah, my mom was a seagull and did um, that for a while. And then I know she was always going back and forth from L.A. Like she would go there for the summers and take classes and stuff. So I think that's where her influence came from. Um, she was really close with like Doug and Joe with Tremaine. And um, so I know her stuff was very influenced by that. Yeah. Um, yeah, because she was very like raw and full out jazz. You know, it was definitely different. Um, but, you know, she she had a little success, like little jobs here and there, but she was also four foot 11. And at that time you were definitely typecast before you were even seen for your talent, you know? So yeah. she didn't really get much of a career, but she did love to teach. Um, so I think that's why she started her studio. Were you doing the whole competition scene? Cause I remember seeing you at competitions. Yes, I was, um, I competed from. So I think I, I started competing when I was like six. 94, 94, I started competing. And then I competed all the way until probably a couple years after she closed the studio. I did um, Kirsten Cooper's like kids Westlake performing group for the- Oh, for, that's right. Yeah, for okay. that first year. So I think that was my last year competing. Actually, lies. Because after that, then I competed with Carrie Lee for Lil Mo and FX. <laughs> yep, up, yep. I'm thinking so yeah, like six years old until probably, 
I want to say like 13, I competed. Was your mom, because it's hard if your mom is a studio owner and your teacher, sometimes you are, it's, they're harder on you and sometimes you get away with everything. I Where do you fit in there? Nothing. I was her, <laughs> I was her angel outside of the studio, even though everyone else says I was a pain, um, which clearly the story you said at the beginning demonstrated <laughs> exactly how I was. I was a brat. Like I liked my way. She gave me my way. I was, I was entitled. I was, I was a brat. And I think that changed um, <laughs> drastically later. But um, at the, you know, when I was a little kid living with her, I was a brat. And then, but then when it came to dance, it was completely different. Like, you know, she would choreograph my solo and I would be seven and she'd be like, I want you to hit a triple here. And, you know, I think the reason my stuff is so fast is because hers was so fast. Like, I was like, where's the substance? Like, I'm dying. And we've been on the stage for 30 seconds and I want to puke and I'm seven. Um, and There's it was a never video of your solo. Remember we did the staff had the recital videos yeah, and we brought it back and you actually did it with the video, but that isn't like turn, turn to the floor up, kick, turn, trick, 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 trick. Yeah. I was like, Oh my God, how is he doing on that? And you had long legs and, a, and there was so much packed into that. And I think we only showed like 90 seconds of the choreography and it yeah. was more than we had in the whole show <laughs> that you did in that 90 minutes or 90 yeah, seconds. She wouldn't really, like if I said I couldn't do something, that was never an option. I think that's why I'm the way I am as a teacher now, because people are always like, oh, my God, you're so intense. or You're so hard. And I'm like, well, my mom was a choreographer and that's how I grew up. And that was normal. So I don't sympathize. Sorry. Um, but yeah, like if she said nail a triple, I had to nail that triple and we wouldn't leave or finish that private until I got it. And I think she had that mindset. It was very Gypsy Rosalie. Uh, <laughs> like you're going to be a star if it's the last thing I do, you know? And, um, <laughs> you know, I think for her, you know, it was like, well, you represent me and my name and this is my studio. So yeah, you will be the best. Um, cause you started coming to Westlake cause we, we were supposed to be 12, but I think you were, there, there's a few of you that I don't make any exceptions anymore. I wait till their birthday before I let them in. Cause there's too many parents that are like, well, my child waited till 12. And there's also adults that don't want to be in with kids. Like, you know, Wes, like if you got in there and it's all 12 year olds, it does, that's not the same experience. Yeah. But when you came in, I think, and I don't know how much you want to go into this. You want, I don't know if you want to be professional, but also I, your teen years. I mean, I remember you coming in at different states of your, well, and where you were, where your life could have gone. And I think, I don't want to say too much, but I, that's another reason I'm really proud of you because some people just, you know, got everything they need to go forward. And some people have to take different roads and come out with a lot of resources and some, some understanding of themselves. Do you want to share? Cause I don't, you would kind of come and go. And then did you think yeah. you were going to be professional? Not just for your mom's, was it for your mom or for you? I always knew I wanted to do it. That's, that's actually the difference between me and my brother. My brother never wanted to take classes. He would throw rocks at cars because he wanted to leave the studio. Like I didn't want to leave her side, you know? So I always knew I wanted to dance. Um, I was also always obsessed with her uh, advanced girls. I think her her um, company was called Expose. And that was like Tanya and Lisa Frazier and Asia oh, wow. Cruz. And um, yeah, a lot of the girls who came to West like after. I think yeah. they didn't go to college, so they joined performing group. Um, but uh, like Amy Frazier, all of them. So I, I looked up to them when I was like, 
literally like two. I was like, I want to be like the big girl. So it started as like me wanting to be like them. And then, and then I saw Michael Jackson and wanted to be like that. I didn't want to dance for Michael Jackson. I wanted to be Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and then, um, you know, from there, like, I, I mean, I've always been obsessed with Madonna, like Blonde Ambition World Tour. Um, I feel like she made such a huge stamp and like she opened doors for a lot of underground scenes, especially in the gay community. And then with the AIDS pandemic and you know what I mean? There was just so many things that she made changes in that I was obsessed with even as a child. Um, and then of course her artistry, I was obsessed with. So yeah, I always knew I wanted to dance. I didn't know how far I wanted to take it. Of course, it started with wanting to be like the girls at my mom's studio. And then from there, it was like, oh my God, I want to go to Westlake. And then my life goal after that was, oh my God, I want to teach at Westlake. And then my life goal after that was, I just want to move to LA. So it was there was always goals, but there was never a system. It was kind of living day by day, like, okay, now I want to do this, but I don't know what I want to do with this. I just kept going, you know? And I think that's actually, um, that's the crazy part is when you're young, you just, you see something you want to do and you just go for it, but you don't really go, how am I going to accomplish exactly what I'm going for? You know what I mean? So there was a lot of learning. I feel like I was reborn when I got to LA because I was a completely different person in Seattle. Um, Mm. You know, even with like here, like I was like, I want to teach or I want to come to LA and I want to be called up in select groups with people I've seen, you know, that was like my goal. And then, you know, then I want to, I want to do the monsters convention and do the monster show. And, you know, but it was never like, I want to do the monster show because I want to dance for this artist who uh, with the choreographer, who teaches on this convention, who can get me the job. It was like, it was, it was very small goals. Like I just want to do the show. I just want to do this. I just want to do this. There was never like a, what is this going to do to create and open this door? So I have this platform in order to accomplish this dream, you know? So yeah. (laughs) Your name comes up. It's it's really random. And how it comes up is to remember choreography and somebody will say, Oh, Cameron will know that. (laughs) <laughs> and it might be Daniel. People only like the OGs will know that. But I remember, I don't know when you saw history repeating, you were a teenager. You in the hall showed me the choreography of my piece that I didn't remember and you weren't even in it. And I don't know. How. <laughs> but I think that you're known for that. And I don't know if you if you still have that, if you always had that, because I yeah, I can forget what I taught two weeks ago. But you know, sometimes some music will come on and I'll I'll remember it because it was there's some emotional connection to it or something. But not everybody's yeah. brain that works. I, I've learned in rehearsal. You know, Some people I think don't. for me, it's kind of like how music is. Like, you know, when you hear a song and you know the lyrics to it, like you can go 10 years without hearing that song. But if it's a song that like you knew and it reminds you of a significant time, like all of a sudden those lyrics come back and you're like, how do I still know this? Like, that's how dance is for me. So like, for me, I've always connected. I think that's the thing. In the Pacific Northwest, everyone's a counter like counting you know it's all about like the sequence of the steps but I've always been like a like a feeler you know so for me if if something's on the word like he had it coming (laughs) you know what I mean like I will never I will never forget what went to that because that's what I felt while I did that step you know what I mean so I think that's always been a thing you know like I I still to this day if Elmer was to hit me up and be like hey, we want to bring this piece back from Breed 2004. Can you come in and teach it? 
I could probably come in and teach it detail for detail. But yeah. the crazy thing is, I don't remember pieces that I've choreographed from a year ago. Like I lost that um, probably by the time I was like 28, <laughs> where I stopped remembering things as well. But I'll remember, I can remember combos from 10 to 20 years ago, but I cannot remember nor teach a combo of mine from two years ago. Yeah, that's okay. Because I interviewed Sari and she brought up um, a duet I did for her and uh, Dominic that they did at, at Nationals. Mm-hmm. And I think it won, but it was like, she, I said, what song was that? And I put it on and I remembered the whole thing. And I don't do that with anything, but I think it was that group of dancers and that it's all words. There's no counts of everything. It's like, I'll run naked through the, whatever. I know all the words so I can act them out. I don't yeah. act that out literally, but, right. um, it, but it's interesting. Like there's the emotional thing to that, but then seriously, I'll come back for a second week combo and I'll like, Oh, what did I do here? Mm-hmm. but I think there's certain brains that people will just, just ask Cameron. He'll know. Cause I think it was, we brought back Carrie Lee's the train and like, Oh my Cameron God. Know it. And yeah. And I wasn't in that. I know. That's what it's like. How did you do that? And so I you, were, that you were definitely watching. Huh? So when you, you came to us, like you were pretty young. Do you remember who were the, the inspirational people or why? Because when you're in your own town, you've got good people. Then you go somewhere else. And then you get that point. You need to go to LA. So you have other people to look up to. Yeah, I let's see. Okay, because I have to think back to Westlake when it was on Westlake. Um, <laughs> it doesn't have to be names because a lot of these people won't know these names, but kind of like why, you know, when you're this young, impressionable dancer, of there's people they that you either they get you or you get them you know, or they bring honest, something. I was just obsessed with Kirsten Cooper and I was obsessed with Carrie Lee. I was obsessed. Like I loved that, you know, because I grew up doing like Celine Dion lyrical with my mom. So like when I started seeing like this, like Fosse influenced choreography, like we never did stuff like that at my mom's studio. I think Kirsten taught one hour a week at my mom's studio and she did fever. And I think, I think me and Tiff and all of us have the same story. I was just younger, but I think from that moment, everyone was like, Oh my God, we're going to Westlake. And, um, and then, you know, after my mom closed the studio, I think we were all just really like, yeah, like we wanted to be in Kirsten's space. Her warm up was so intense. She would chase you across the floor. Like you've, you really, you were there to train. Like you got that LA experience and you knew walking in Westlake that that was like the edge of Seattle, you know? And so I think like, I can still smell the old Westlake when I think of like mm-hmm. how much I loved dance, you know? And it always smelled like hard work. It always smelled so sweaty. It always smelled like a steam room. but that's because people put in work like everyone was just so good like everyone was good there was no and everyone was passionate there was no like there was no I don't know I don't know how to explain it like in Kirsten's class like everyone was phenomenal everyone was good and and whether they were professional level or not they were committed so they had that like they everyone had the same like ambition everyone had the same goal like to be the best it didn't mean they wanted to move to LA but they wanted to be the best like if they were spending the money on it they wanted to they wanted to be the best at that hobby you know mm-hmm. and so I loved that I loved that energy I always had an obsession with dancing in a room with people older than me because I did always dance a lot more mature than people my age um and I and I was that kid who got bored easily you know, so if I took class with 10 year olds, I was like, oh, my God, like, can I be anywhere else? I always wanted to be in the room with the big girls. I wanted to mm-hmm. dance with Tiff and with Lisa and Amy and Autumn and Asia and Leah. Like, I didn't want to be in a room with anyone else, you know. 
And so when I was able to come to Westlake at 10 and do progressions with them in the room, it pushed me to be better faster, you know? So did you graduate? No, you, well, and did you, what was the move to LA? Was it just time or did you have someone say you got it? So what was the thing that made you make that to leave Westlake and to go on? Um, I, I left to LA when I was 20. So I waited a little bit. I'm actually surprised I didn't leave right at 18, but I think it's because, you know, I, I, I know I've always loved teaching. Like I I've always known at the end of the day, no matter what jobs I did or anything, it was going to come back to teaching. Like I always knew I wanted to be like my mom. I always knew I wanted to be like Kirsten. I wanted to be like Carrie. I wanted to be like Daniel. Like, you know, I think, um, I moved there after, cause I had, I did cruise control. I did in effect, I did breed. I did all those teams. And then, and then, <laughs> and then Daniel kicked me out of cruise control and breed. Cause I was a brat. And then, um, I was like, okay, well then I'm going to start my own group. <laughs> <laughs> I'll show you. <laughs> yeah. I was so petty. Um, but I mean, you know, that kind of, I think that kind of pushed me to do it because I wasn't able to be on any of the teams anymore. Cause I did have a bad reputation. I was a pain in the ass when I was younger and I went through a lot. Um, but when I was able to start potion, I think that's what kind of stopped me from moving to LA so fast was I finally had that like power and I had so many people taking my classes and, and I was young. Like I was like 17, 18 with like packed classes at Westlake, you know? And and um, I think it just hit a point where I was like, I'm not, I'm not really able to grow anymore here. Like, I mean, I can, but I'm not gonna, I'm not being pushed, you know, I'm not being pushed by dancers. I'm being the one pushing people. And all of my friends were starting to move like, you know, like Bobby, Ivan, um, you know, and, and I think I just got to a point where I was like, I don't. I think it's time to go. Otherwise I'm not going to leave. I'm just going to, you know, and, and I think yeah. about that too. Cause I'm like, if I just stayed at Westlake and, and just taught class, like I would have, I would have lost my love for that, that fire inside of me that knew he needed to do more before he can come back and share it. You know, like yeah. you have to keep, you have to keep evolving and growing in order to keep sharing unless, unless you have that, that many gems to share with the youth of a generation that'll just never understand what came before them. You know what I mean? Mm, mm -hmm. And so yeah. as someone who was seasoned already in Seattle, I knew that, yeah. Cena, stop. I knew that I couldn't um, keep giving if I was only so old, you know what I mean? Were you going down to LA and training now and then, or, or this was a, a fresh move with no prior yeah. trips and figuring out what studios and teachers and areas and I think no because I would I would go to monsters I would go to the other conventions like co-dance and um jump you know things like that and then I would I would come to LA and, and come over here and take classes during the summers and then I would always get excited because I would learn so much and be like I'd be so inspired and then I would come back and then Seattle would be super inspired. Like it, I, I, it was crazy. I feel like every time I'd come back from LA, the Seattle dancers would grow so much, like in weeks, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and classes would grow. Like it just, that's when everything started to build was when I started noticing that I was more inspired, you know? And um, yeah, and I, I think 
I think actually a huge part of why I moved in with urgency to LA was Donovan, to be honest. Cause I believe he, he was just always, you know, he was like my number one supporter. Like he was like, when I'm done with college, I'm coming with you, let's go, you know? And so that helped because I think I needed help. You know, I wasn't stable alone at that age. Um, and so he helped me a lot there, but he also was just like, Cameron, like, it's time for you to go. Like you, you've done what you need to do here. You know, you're happy, but like, you know, you just got this monster mm. scholarship. Like you, you have more going for you. You need to get out. You need to go. Mm. Did you have a roommate? Situ- so what was it like? You pack up your car, you go find a place Were you just, you know, guessing, or did you have people to at least kind of help you navigate donovan and i had our we had our apartment on queen anne and then we literally one day like sat on the computer and looked at apartments called places and then we did it all over the phone he still had to finish school so i moved like like two months earlier so i was already in our apartment but we were both paying for it and then he drove down okay (laughs) oh wow yeah, so, so how we, is were, it? we were roommates at first, you know, um, and then after we lived together, then the struggle really happened because he was my supporter. Like he took care of me, literally. Um, I don't think I realized how much until that wasn't a thing anymore, because then after yeah. that, I was on couches and I was eating, you know, 39 cent tacos at Del Taco to be able to afford class and sneaking into classes and, you know, um sleeping on friends couches yeah like I I went through all of that eating cup noodle like I did what I had to do to survive for a lot of times and I was you know moving month to month from couch to couch or you know sharing a room with a friend or I think at one point I even like rented out a friend's walk-in closet I would just like go in it and sleep and then wake up and leave for the day to go dance (laughs) wow because there's a lot of people they go down there and they want to dance but they have to get a job or now they have no time or energy to dance or and I would never audition. get a job. You know what I would do, Sherry? Every time I was broke, I brought my ass back to Seattle for two months, started potion back up, did a show, and then left. Really? <laughs> it was funding. Wow. I did it twice. I think two different times before I started actually working as a dancer, there was points where I was like, I have $500 in my account and I have no job. All right, I'm going to use $300 of this, fly to Seattle, stay for a couple months, teach at Gotta Dance, teach at Westlake, save this money, and then throw the show together, sell it out, and then go back to LA and be good for six months. Yeah, you got a business mind there. (laughs) I did. (laughs) So when you get there, are you starting to find your teachers that you gravitate? Are you trying everybody? Because I know a lot of people say it's being in someone's class that you get noticed by a choreographer, or or was that an inroad for you at all? Because I really want to hear now, like what goes from this training so you you have worked a lot you've worked a lot with some amazing people but i know sometimes once you get the ball going it works and some people have big dead zones in the middle and nothing's happening well this okay this is actually a really interesting concept because um two things so things have changed a lot when it comes to dance now there's there's a social media platform so you see people you follow and you go to take that class it's not it's not as community as it used to be, even with the studios at, I mean, I'm pretty sure it's the same at Westlake too. And I haven't even been, but like, you know, with Edge and Millennium and Debbie's, like 
we were families because you didn't come to class to go, oh, this person's teaching at this time. And then I'm going to go to the next studio. I'm going to just hop around. We were like, all right, it's Tuesday. I'm getting there at two and I'm staying till nine. Like it didn't matter who was teaching. Like we all took class to take class. Like it didn't matter. We weren't selective. We were like, even when I moved to LA, like I was never like, okay, I need to make a class schedule. Like I was like, all right, I'm gonna buy a class pass and I'm gonna take every class and find the ones that I connect with or love. Like, even if I didn't love a class, I still knew I needed to take class. Like I just, I took it out of respect for who they were. I took, I took class because of their credentials, because of their experience, not because they had a hot combo and because I was going to get filmed, you know, and I because now people's reasoning for taking classes changed so much it makes it a lot harder for them to find success in the industry because the industry and social media are so disconnected even though they're very connected at the same time like you do need a good social media platform nowadays as your resume in order for people to uh you know to establish who you are like I for me if I'm hiring dancers I have to look on your Instagram and see your highlights to see what your credentials are that's an easier way now then reaching out to the agencies and saying, can I see this person's resume? You know, like no one does that anymore. So mm. it is hard because there's, it's, it's hard to find a balance because people also don't understand the difference between someone who has numbers versus someone who actually has experience and credential. Like I have what 48 K followers on Instagram, which is nothing nowadays, but you know, everyone else has a million or 2 million followers. And so these people are legitimately famous, but they're not, they're not giving people opportunity. They're just helping people achieve more followers. And so people get confused sometimes, I think on if they moved here because they want to dance professionally and be in the space of these other artists in order to evolve their own artistry, or if they're coming here because they want to be seen as famous or be seen You know, and it's hard too, because we didn't have that. Like, you know, if someone had a million friends or fans, you know, they were famous, you know? And so nowadays everyone's famous. So it's like, no one, people would rather be in a, you know, this, this is no shade, no tea, but they'd rather be in this person's class, um, being in their space than potentially dancing for a Jennifer Lopez, because that person's relevant today to, pop culture, but J-Lo right now doesn't have new music or, you know what I mean? Like something like that. Like people just care about what's going on right now rather than what came before them. Kids now, there's kids who are 18 who don't know who Michael Jackson is. Oh. Like people, like, sorry to the youth who's listening, but, um, (laughs) but it's true. Younger generations now, because everything's in their face, they don't have to go out of their way to research anything. They don't have to find information. They don't have to put in the work. They don't have to go out of their way to a Sam Goody to buy a DVD to find inspiration on something. You, there's no, there's nothing special about being in a music video anymore because they have less views than a YouTube dance video. So oh, wow. the 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 excitement of what drove us and made us want to go out of our way to learn history and find things now people are given a reason to be naive because their brain is their phone Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like so and it's and 
I mean, it, it's crazy. People will ask me questions. Who's this? Who's this? I'm like, I knew these things, guys, when I lived in Seattle and we didn't have a connection to social media. Like Google, it's your friend. Like Google it. Like, why is that hard? You're on this phone at all times. Why do you not know who these people are? But you're on your phone at all times because people are so distracted. You have TikTok, you have Instagram. Uh, you only follow what you want to follow. So you can come to LA and only know who five choreographers are and think that's what LA is now. Mm, mm. So that's why I think <sighs> God we have these mentorship programs because without them, people would be lost. I wonder if things cycle back to like the, the importance. I've even seen at Westlake, you know, in the red room and black room, it's different, the black floor, but even whoever was the newest US youngest contemporary and then people like Kim and person I like nobody's coming and then they're like wait a minute I've never learned how to do a pot of beret <laughs> you know or wait maybe maybe these older people have something and then it will kind of switch back hip-hop might be harder that way but I do see like some of our OGs coming back that people are respecting it but it goes through long seasons where people I remember asking one of the desk people like who she takes from I go we take it from Carrie Lee or that she goes no I go who do you take from she's like, I just take from my peers I'm like well then how do you get better if you've all trained together, how do you right. get any, any, and that they were baffled by that question. And I was like, I was baffled by their answer. Like, well, if you're only training with people that train with you and only know what, you know, how do you, how do you get better? Like, how do you expand your vocabulary? <laughs> yeah. And, and some of these people that are older also have, a, you know, some different things they can offer you that you're not getting. And I, I've seen, I've had a studio almost 30 years. I see the different things that go up and down and yeah. people will get all riled up. Like, you know what? It's going to cycle a different way. Or maybe this just, you know, <laughs> things just go away. Hip hop too. It happens with, I mean, with commercial hip hop, jazz, funk, whatever you want to call it, industry. Um, because the thing is, you know, before everything was about YouTube, right? And then after that, no one really does YouTube anymore. Then it was Instagram. Now everyone's kind of transitioning from Instagram to TikTok. So what people don't understand is you can go viral right now, but then there's going to be a next. And if you live your life so focused on being hot on, on one platform, you're actually not doing anything to yourself, but setting yourself up for a deep depression because you, the, the point is to be timeless. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. and, and it's crazy because uh, people use this in a different terminology. Like for me, a lot of people say seasonal as in that's timeless. But for me, seasonal season to season, like, like seasons come and they go. So for me, I don't consider myself seasonal. I consider myself timeless because I'm going to teach things that I learned. And then I'm going to teach things that are, that'll always be relevant regardless of any of the other things going on. So I think that's why my clientele stays the same. In 10 years teaching in LA, my class size has always maintained 70 plus students. And that's because people know they're coming to learn and they're going to get knowledge. So even the people who do only care about social media, those people still do find their way to me. Um, and, and one thing I've noticed is I think people are starting to finally see it. I think it's slowly but surely. And I think this transition happened because of COVID. COVID has ruined dance in a lot of ways because our only way to stay connected was social media. So now no one has an identity outside of it. Everyone's lost with dance because of COVID. And, yeah. and I think, and even in Hollywood, even in New York, even in Atlanta, you know, but 
because we've created a, a way to be successful without having to leave our house, <laughs> without having to do anything. Yeah. So, so now people can dance from the waist up doing some corny little dance that I would have learned in a minis class at five and they can go viral. So now you have all these dancers who are advanced level who have sold out and became basic. But then you also have, see, I still talk the same as I did on Facebook. I just now, <laughs> it, it's a different emotion when you don't read it via context. Now right. it's understandable, you know? Yeah. Um, but then you have dancers who are like, I can do both, which I think is smart and important too. But then you have people like me who are like, I'm not getting, I'm not doing this TikTok crap. Like I'm just, I'm not doing it. It's fun. Like I'll do it for fun with a friend. If they're like, let's learn this and just post it like for fun. But for me, like I, I understand you can buy a house nowadays by, you know, like doing one TikTok and it going viral. And that's great. But for me, like I, for me, I love the hard work. I love the blood, sweat, and tears into what I love to do. I love feeling like I'm on a jet with J-Lo because I worked my ass off to get on that jet with J-Lo. You know what I'm saying? Like, I I just, I don't know. It's a different mindset. I think our mindsets probably connect more only because I'm in that in-between age where I grew up with Nintendo, Super Nintendo, and, you know, with... um you know, Furbies and with, you know what I mean? Like I grew up with things that weren't social media influence. I didn't have a laptop until I was 18. I didn't, I had a pager. Like I didn't have a cell phone until I was 17. Like seven-year-olds now are like, what? How do you live? Like, you know, <laughs> I have friends who like their kids throw fits if they can't sit on a phone. Like I wanted to go out and play until the streetlights came on. Like that was the things that were normal for you as a kid were also still normal for me as a kid that changed mm. in the millennium. And so yeah. for me, I think my generation's the last one to really fully understand the division and, and how to maybe kind of be the secret force to helping the combination of both, like helping people who are older be a little more open-minded to change, but also helping the youth understand that they're naive and there's more to life than their phones you know? Yeah. Well, I have two ways I want to go with the rest of our interview. I do want to talk about your mentorship, but first I want to talk about just your, how many things you booked that are pretty big. Cause every time you do it, I'm like, and I, when you did Paul Abdul, I'll let you get to the whole audition because when you're out there, it was, it was outdoor concert or something. Maybe it was outdoors. Am I getting that wrong? Um, I remember you did like a giant, you did a jump, you did, you were doing triple pirouettes, oh, like yeah. they're all that technique matters i think because some people say you can't just do hip-hop for commercial and that might change but because you had both i got all excited because i just love paul abdul but it was just fun to see you as i know as hip-hop and i go that's right he also has great technique you were the one that could whip out like five pirouettes and then slam into a second split <laughs> so where did that start to happen for you in la as far as booking gigs or wanting to book gigs because you like okay, teaching so you could have totally just gone that direction but you also were booking stuff I did go in a different direction, honestly, because remember, a majority of my career has honestly been in Asia because I lived in L.A., but I, you know, my my first tour I booked was with Andre Fuentes. And even prior to that, I was traveling back and forth to teach in China and stuff like that. So I booked um, Ame's world tour 
And I danced for her on that tour for two years. And then after that, um, I, and then I did another tour with her. So I, I was with her for four years in China during my tip, my stay in LA. Um, so I was building my experience. Um, even though the credentials didn't matter to people here, I was building that experience in order to know what I was doing when I was given a chance on those jobs here. And so even though I had the credential, no one knew what it was. You know what I mean? Like I was dancing in front of 70,000 people every day, but people are like, who's Ame? And I'm mm. sitting there like, Britney Spears doesn't even sell out stadiums. Like, how do you guys not know who this is? You know, but I mean, that's just our country. If it's not English, yeah. we're kind of ignorant, you know? Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> if it's not American, we don't care. Um, but, you know, I think, yeah, it started with that. And then gradually, I think once I, I took that transition where I was like, you know what, I'm going to stop doing this tour, even though the money's consistent and, but I'm comfortable and I didn't move to LA to be comfortable. So even though money's good, I'm going to allow myself to be broke again. I'm going to allow myself to not want a job, but to need a job because there's a difference and you'll dance differently. Um, and I think that's when that transition happened was then I did Taylor Swift. Um, and then I did TLC, then I did Snoop, then I did um, uh, Britney. And what did then, you do? Was that the tour? Yes, I, I booked Britney's residency. Oh, and was then, that Vegas? Yes. LA? Okay. And then it got canceled because of all the okay. stuff going on with her. Yeah. We learned the entire show too. Like we learned 30 numbers. There was no ballads. It was nonstop. Um. We, yeah, we were in rehearsals for two months, every single day, 10 hour days, production rehearsals, everything. And then we got a call to go to Tabitha Napoleon's house. And I knew right in that moment, I was like, oh my God, why would we go to their house if we have rehearsal right now? It's 8 a.m. We get to their house. They're like, hey, so the show's going to be postponed till further notice. And that was 2018. So, I mean, if we're still postponed, oh, still waiting. Right. <laughs> <laughs> still waiting. But yeah, like I think, um, I think I, I'll honestly say the big transition was um, growing closer to Tabitha Napoleon because mm. my entire resume is, it pretty much says Tabitha Napoleon. Like they gave me my first dance jobs, my first choreography jobs. Um, and then even on jobs I ended up doing that I didn't get through them, I ended up on it with them, you know, and then. And then that made them trust me even more. So then that gave me more opportunity. Yeah. Trying to think who else you work for because it, you always seem to have a good spot right next to the star. So for photos, sometimes people are like, well, I'm in the back. You can see my right elbow. Like Cameron, oh, look for the star. He's right behind him. He's either lifting the starlet or there's something. But who, I'm trying to think who else you did because when I was putting our alumni page together, I'm like, we have to, we can't have 50 of Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then JLo, I mean, I, oh, and Paula, I mean, so basically Brittany didn't happen. Then I booked Paula, but the thing is, and that performance that you were just talking about when we were outside, I think we performed at pride and, um, and it was, yeah, it was raining outside and everything, but I, I hit that switch to second and it was adrenaline because I haven't done one of those since I was probably 12. Oh my gosh. And I herniated my dip. I herniated my my back doing oh, that. You did. I, I actually in that show couldn't come out for straight up at the end because I couldn't put my pants on. 
Oh my gosh. Well, that's a really abrupt move. That's was a switch second. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can I'm see the, sure the whole stupid and didn't stretch either. Right. Well, the spine was like, what are you? I've done, I did the splits up until 55 and I was still doing cartwheels <laughs> needing hip replacements. And then I almost went in the splits the other day. I'm like, just because you can, doesn't mean you should. Yeah. Because I realized if I hurt myself, it's going to be bigger than when you're 20 and you just need some ice. This is like, this might be what takes me out, but yeah. there's something in you like, but maybe I still can, or in my mind, I still can, but there's a yeah. wisdom and a maturity that goes, you let those young kids do that. <laughs> yeah. And I think I even hit that. I think from that moment, because, you know, I, I always book the job that's the most physically demanding. And that is no matter what anyone wants to say, it is Paula, JLo, Brittany. Those are the most physically, like they, it requires so much, so much. And I'm, and I'm sure like Beyonce and Rihanna, you know what I mean? Yeah. But at least even with those, it's like a lot of grooves and stuff with Brittany. You're like, keep, keep, keep back. Like, you know what I mean? Like you're doing breakdown after breakdown, Paula, you're doing cold hearted snake jazz across the floor slide to the floor Sinead to the left you know it's like and then with JLo it's like it's non-stop too because she's a crazy hard worker and she can just go for it so there's no excuses like even if I'm like oh I'm tired I'm like okay I have the same amount of hours in a day that she has and she's going for blood and she's wanting to keep going so I need to just go for it but I think that maturity difference did happen for me is once that happened I remember it was like I, everything just went like blank. Like I felt like I blacked out. I, my ears were like ringing. Like I was just like in so much pain. I had to literally be like lifted out from that performance. Like I didn't dance after that until after COVID. Like I would teach, but I I would have four assistants. I would never demonstrate. I, I, I thought I was retired from that show. And that's when I became Paula's choreographer because she wanted me to dance. But I was like, I physically can't. And so I she, remember, sorry, I remember talking to you in that time too, because you were saying like how to dance, like to choreograph, you could save your body. But yeah, I remember, and I didn't know that you had an injury too, because also what was demanding, because it was, like you said, wasn't it like you're still lifter off of platforms and things like that. And if you've got something off of apparatuses and tour, <laughs> like, girl, what are you doing? You I remember that part of my, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so not to, not to bad mouth anybody, but I mean, some of these shows I'm sure were fun, but also you've got attitudes and things. Did you ever have, I don't want to say J-Lo because some of these older people may not know J-Lo is Jennifer Lopez. So I just want to make sure I clarify for our over 60 crowd that listen to this. <laughs> yeah. So did you have jobs that were like, is it worth it? Or was it always like you're dancing hard and whatever, if they're having meltdowns or attitude, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not assuming they all did, but I always hear the little bits and pieces and you, you know how to want this work. Every pop artist is a piece of work in a different way. Um, you know, Britney's, Britney was, she was rebellious because she had no control in her own life. So the second that she was in rehearsal, she wouldn't let anyone do their job. She tried to take over everything. Um, Paula can also be, She's the sweetest person in the entire world. That is true. Like how you see her on TV when she talks and stuff, that's genuinely her. Like she's really the sweetest person, but her mood swings can be a bit intense and a lot too, um, to the point where I just sometimes have to let it go through one ear and out the other and roll my eyes and be like, girl, I'll see you in five minutes. Like, I don't have time. You know, um, <laughs> JLo for me is the most understanding. 
JLo for me, a lot of people complain about it, but I, I connect with her because she's a, she's a hard worker. She's an overachiever. She doesn't tolerate shit and she likes her way. And honestly, I'm the same way as a person. And I think that's why me and her connect. She's a Leo and I'm a Taurus. Like we're very intense people and we go by the beat of our own drum. So I, I can connect to that. I can, her emotions don't get in the way of her work. You know, if she has mm. something going on, you'll never know. It's just time to work. Or if, if she does have something going on personally in her life, you know, she does because we're working even harder, you know? Oh, wow. And I'm that way. So I, if people complain, the only thing I complain about with JLo is, you know, the, the OG dancers slash choreographers like Paula and her, you know, we have unions now and we, ha we have a lot more protection than there was back then. And so for them, they'll be like, well, this isn't done. Why do they need to go to lunch? I'm like, um, I need to go to lunch. So I'm nourished. So you stop yelling at me, you know, Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> or, you know, going into overtime, they don't understand why they need to pay more and, you know, things like that. And I, I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm known as the no man, which I feel like a lot of these um, artists need. I think they like me secretly because I treat them like a human being. You know, a lot of people worship the ground they, they walk on and, you know, treat them like, they're not people. And, and so they, they run with that and that's why they treat people like shit. But with me, you know, if people are like, Oh, JLo's on her way, act like you're practicing. No, I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm practicing. Cause I'm not, you know, uh. <laughs> and I know it. She hired me because I'm a professional when she's ready to do it. I'll be on, on top of it. You know what yeah. I mean? Or, or when, when Paula would be like, how are you going to tell me what to do? This is my show. I'd be like, because you hired me as a choreographer and that doesn't make sense. So the answer is no. You know what I mean? Like, and, and, and guess what? You get fired in the moment and, and it never fails where I'm like, I'm not even going to pack my bag. I'm going to sit here until one of them cry and say, I overreacted. Can you come back? You know, like oh. <laughs> it, it happens. It, it's so, I love them, but it can be very toxic because you know, they, they have a hard time trusting people because they're not treated like people. And so yeah. it takes them a second sometimes to be like, wow, you actually do care. You're looking out for me. You're not doing this to like, take away my control. You're just, you know, you're doing the job I gave you to do. You wow. Know? Um, this might dovetail or it might be a, a divergent. I know you've posted, like, you know, your social media, you're not on there as much, but sometimes like, you're like, I'm, I'm going to come back to Seattle or I'm going to go to school or I might open a studio. And I know that, you know, you get these ideas like, cause you probably are always creating in your head. And sometimes I'm like, Oh, he's moving back to Seattle. I'm like, no, he's not. He is. He's saying what he's feeling in the moment. This is going to pass because Cameron is fully into what he's doing. Have you, have you doubted what you're doing or cause sometimes you're like, I'm getting older or I just want to be a teacher. I don't want to dance. And then I see you still doing it. And I don't think you're doing it cause you have nothing else to do. You have a lot of ideas of things. You could probably do seven different careers and be successful. But when you hit those moments, is it out of frustration? And then what is it that makes you go? No, I'm not moving back to Seattle. It is so funny that you're saying this. Cause I was having a talk, a deep talk with my mentor, Trisha about this literally yesterday, <laughs> um, you know, the career we chose comes with a price, you know, and especially when you dance and choreograph and teach, you know, it's one thing when you just do one of them, because then you have enough time to focus on other areas of your life. For me, my, everything's wrapped around my business, which is my mentorship. Um, then I have my company potion, 
Then I dance for JLo. Then I choreograph for Paula. Then I, you know, then I teach classes and travel teaching. So it really, when one thing's not happening, there's something else happening. So, you know, for me, I crave, I crave simplicity right now. I crave mm -hmm. things that I've never had. And for me, my whole life, my 20s was, I want to move to LA. I want to be selfish. I want to get what I want. It's about me, me, me. And then you start living that life for so long that you become that person. So you have to unlearn these things as you do start to transition and change. You do start to go, I'm in my 30s. I care more about my peace than anything else. Um, who am I? What's my identity as Cameron, the person versus Cameron Lee, the choreographer, megastar, the person that all these people see as this, like, you know, we're not seen as people. It's the same thing with these other celebrities. We're not, mm -hmm. we're seen as a, as a, as a crutch somewhere to be in order to get where we want to go. So people come and go. And because we're so used to that, we have a disconnect to people. And so I have a hard time connecting or dating or prioritizing anything other than my career, like myself. So I'm, I'm currently reading all of these books on self-love, unlearning your past. Um, you know, I, uh, meditating, going to hot yoga three times a week, going on hikes. Like I've become very Seattle now that I'm not there. Yeah. Uh, which is funny. Cause I would have never done those things when I was in Seattle. And, you know, like I, right now I crave my own house and having kids and I want to get married. I, I want all of these things more than anything now, but mm -hmm. I'm nowhere near ready for those things because I'm not done. I'm too far mm -hmm. in now to, to balance out the two or, and, and I'm, and it's hard to learn that balance while I'm still having to be on go mode. Like my downtime is me focusing on working on myself, not going out and dating and trying to meet people when I'm, I, I honestly, the sad thing is I know who I am when it comes to everything I've wanted and craved my whole life. But when it comes to COVID was a huge slap in the face of reality of, do I actually know who I am? What's my favorite food? What do I enjoy to do if it's not dance related? Like I went through a really intense midlife crisis during COVID where I was really depressed because I was like, I don't have an identity without dance. And so mm -hmm. I had to figure out and learn new things I like to do. I didn't like yoga. I didn't like going on hikes. I didn't like just, I didn't like doing anything that wasn't dance related until COVID. Working out, like I mm -hmm. love doing these things now and these things fulfill me. So, you know, if someone's like, hey, can you teach this week? And I'm like, no, I would rather wake up at 6 a.m. and do a morning hike than teach till 10 p.m. the night before. I'll The, the answer is just straight up no to everything now if I don't feel like doing it because I'm trying to find that balance of prioritizing myself. So I think that those things will come. You know, I look at when I go home to Seattle, I'm always like in, I'm always like an envy of like everything my friends have. Cause I'm like, wow, you have a house. Wow. You're married. Wow. You have children. Like you have everything I want. But then I talk to those same friends and they're like, yeah, but like 
I go on one vacation a year and you do that and make money doing it, you know? And, and I have to remember sometimes that we kind of pick and choose the direction we go. Like, would mm-hmm. I have been fulfilled and, and satisfied and happy with my life if I decided to get married and have kids at 22? No, I would probably be resentful. But now that I've accomplished, you know, the things that all my friends are like, oh my God, you've been on a jet with JLo. Oh my God, you've been in a room one-on-one with Brittany. Oh my God, you've had dinner with Paula. You know, it's like, yeah, I've done those things and they're great. But like, also, if you look at these people's lives, they're celebrities, but they're not the happiest people. They're they're not, you know what I mean? And, and mm-hmm. I, now that I've seen them on a personal level, now I'm able, you know, because I'm not just someone who's danced professionally with these people. I've built relationships with these people because I also choreograph. So I've seen a lot more than most people have because I've, I've been part of all the worlds. I've, I see what's on this side of the table and on that side. Mm-hmm. All and most people can only say they've seen one or the other. And so now I'm, you know, I'm seeing how my goal was to dance for these people. And then now, and then seeing how they are as people and being like, wow, like no matter how much you accomplish, no matter how much, how rich you are, like we crave the simplicity because we've had it all where now the, the small things matter so much more. My peace means more to me than a sold out class my staying true to my artistry versus getting views on a video on social media means more to me. Teaching something and making sure it's a lesson versus a hype, cool combo means something to me. Um, Going on, literally, like if I have a day off even, and I'm like, I just want to go on a date today. Like that is fun to me. You know Mm. what I mean? Like, but those weren't things that I cared about at all prior to being 33 years old. And now I'm 34, turning 35. Wow. And yeah. I still live in a one-bedroom apartment and I'm single. You know what I mean? So this is if anyone's hearing this, I think that's something to get from it is like you as an artist, you will always be striving for what's next. You'll never be able to just sit and go, you know what? I'm finally at peace. And so I'm learning right now. That's why I started a business. That's why I just got my LLC. Because for me, I can always help people achieve their goals and their dreams because I've done them. But now I need to change my mindset. Now, rather than being here teaching and killing my body every day, I'm okay with sitting at home. And because of the relationship I built with Apollo or these choreographers, they can come in and do Q&As and teach while I sit my ass at home and make money because I deserve to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, yeah. So no, you've always been, I've never seen you not working, you know, <laughs> full out. It's interesting because all the interviews I've done, like performers are kind of the vampires because you go to bed at four in the morning and for dating, that's why people like the dancers married the stagehands on the cruise ships, the dancers with the, with the <laughs> musicians or, you know, whoever's up late at night, you're not going to meet anyone who's not in your field which is nice because you have someone who understands your life, but also that's all you have as opposed to someone who brings something different into your life. So that's been a, a thing is what people, you know, we, we are sad. Like a lot of people I've interviewed that the Lido closed, like, what am I, if I'm not a dancer at the Lido? Cause that's like the most, you know, they made it to this pinnacle and like now it's gone and it like, there's less soul searching. 
Yeah. Because we, we get so wrapped in that. And so I, I did the same thing before I started Westlake is Mark Haynes took over my classes when I was pregnant. I came back and I was no longer the new cool teacher. And so like, well, and it was really humbling because I felt embarrassed that I had put so much in my identity as a t- dance teacher. And I'm like, okay, this is really good. Why am I doing what I'm doing? I think if you don't, are not forced with it, COVID or something else, you can be miserable, not even know you're miserable because like, damn it, I'm doing the thing I set out to do. And I don't want to admit that I'm not. Because yeah, dating is tricky. And especially if you're driven and you've got someone else who's that equally driven, you're not going to see each other. Or if you've got someone who can chill, they may not be wanting to wait around till, you know, I think life just had to slow down because LA is so go, 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 go. And I, and I call it Neverland. Like we're like Peter Pan. We don't grow up because we're just going. And so, you know, like even I think, I think all artists who are in a place like Hollywood, our maturity level we, we have to catch up with people who choose to grow up too fast or, or mm. who choose to grow up, well, to, to what's normal. <laughs> yeah. That's not normal to us, you know? And so for me, like, I can honestly say right now is probably the happiest I've been in my entire life because you know me and, and I don't know how much I'm allowed to say, but you know, like I come from a history of, you know, drug abuse and, and, you know, and I, I did my share of a lot of drugs, especially when I was younger at Westlake and, and drinking a lot. And now I'm like completely sober. I don't drink, I don't do nothing, you know? And, and I, and I, I have changed my lifestyle as like, now when I'm like, shoot, I'm used to going out to the club. Okay. Let's open up a new book. Like I've learned to not be bored and to actually find the significance and not feeling like I'm missing out by actually allowing myself to grow and evolve and, and realize that I have more, I'm living more by being at peace and being happy than doing things day to day to just make sure that I'm not missing out or that I'm having fun and, and I'm finding fun and enjoyment in other areas of my life. And, and I think because of that clarity in my mind, now I'm able to actually give to a community younger than me with more than just what they've seen me do, but now they can take things in and respect who I am rather than mm. what I am to them, you know? Yeah. When I said I'm proud of you, it's not just, you know, that you've had this great career because I I knew you were going through those things. I think you had shared some and I knew teachers <laughs> were struggling with you in different ways when you were probably at the worst of yeah. where what you were dealing with in your life. But I'm proud of you because it's not your su- success. It's you could have gone a totally different way. People that we know that, you know, like with what happened with my husband, I'm just getting hooked on pain meds and how you see the trajectory and it doesn't often go where you went, mm-hmm. you know? So I'm really proud of you for your, your choices, your discipline, not just for your dancing, but for your, your own healing and your own health and your own way you relate as a human, because, you know, people who haven't dealt with that are assholes as teachers and choreographers and and friends and so you can be I super successful i used to have that ego i used to be known as the la b word you know like i i went through the ego i went through knowing i was hot shit you know like i went through all those phases too but i think the second i started realizing that like you know we're we're human first that's when i started allowing the human Cameron to grow more. And I think, yeah, like I'm just, I'm more at peace with that. And, and I think that that comes before all else. Like if I don't do another dance job, 
I'll be fine because at least my mind's clear enough now to know that something else, there's a transition going on with me right now. I don't know what it is. I can Mm. feel it. And I know that it's going in a direction that's good, but I don't know what it is exactly. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe I will end up back in Seattle someday. But for me, I think when it comes to the mentorship and this beautiful thing that I've built here, this community for dancers who don't want to be a small fish in a big pond or get lost, you know, I'm helping people achieve their dreams faster than I did because they're not having to be lost and they have a role model. And you know, like that for me, I feel like a parent. I mean, I really do have kids. Like I have like 75 kids who come to me every day for life coaching advice and not just on dance, but just on things in general, you know? And so for me, I don't know, it's, it's too expensive to live here and buy property, especially after COVID. I mean, it was already terrible here, but you know, like I don't necessarily know if I see myself going anywhere else and and seeing if this is going to build into something bigger or if it's something that I do want to turn into a studio and, you know, maybe have one here and have one in Seattle, you know, where I'm from, you know, and who knows, like I, who knows? I mean, maybe one day I'll talk to you and be like, let's go into business together, Sherry. You know what I mean? Like, or we just do this little transition where I go off and do something else. Cause at 63, I'm like having seven directions of other things. So <laughs> there might be a right timing for that. Oh, can you talk a little bit about your mentorship? Because it's its own business, right? You've created this. Yeah. Yeah. Can you tell a little bit what your program is and who, who it is you're reaching out to and what, what, what they're getting besides just your, how to succeed at dancing? Yeah. So, I mean, it started as something much smaller. I started my program in 2016 with 15 dancers. Um, and then, you know, over time, I think it built the most during COVID actually, because everyone had to learn virtually. So what happened was we actually lost an entire generation due to COVID because it was unbearable to afford. And then everyone that I was teaching on Zoom slowly migrated their way into LA. So by the time we walked outside, it was new buildings. It was new studios. It was studios gone. It was all new dancers. Like the people who were new in LA in 2019 were the OGs by the end of 2022. Um, so it was, it was crazy. And so, um, my virtual program with, um, zoom, I think at one point we had 90 dancers from all over people in LA, but also people in Sacramento. We had people in Seattle doing it. I think, uh, yeah, Kristen did it. Yeah. Um, you know, we had people in like Thailand and Australia, like people were waking up at three in the morning, setting their alarms to do mentorship. Like it was crazy. And a lot of these people ended up when things opening opened up, moved here. So uh, I want to say about 70 of the people I have right now started with me virtually. And um, so, yeah, it had to turn into something bigger because, um, because of there only being programs during COVID. Now people moved to LA to do programs, not to take class. <laughs> so, and a lot of, a lot of studios now, there's not like a studio studio, like a home anymore. Like now people rent space and they teach classes. So that's how, that's literally how people know how to take class now. There's not like a class schedule that's the same anywhere anymore. Mm. So, um, you know, people who knew they wanted to train with me or train with people that I'm affiliated with, they came here and transitioned that way. And so when we hit 75 people in person, I was like, 
this is stupid to just keep doing under the table on Zoom. We need to, I mean, on Venmo, you know what I mean? Like yeah. we need to get an LLC. This is a business. Like, you know what I mean? So we did that last year finally. And yeah, we have um, an intermediate advanced program and then we have a pros program. And our pros program are signed dancers who are trying to work, mm. uh, who are, you know, already at that talent and confidence level, but they just, haven't learned the gateways. So that's the mm. pros room. They're learning more like uh, oppositions and they're learning how to be staged into something, how their artistry, um, you know, canons and ripples, um, <laughs> how to learn something one way and then in 30 seconds be able to reverse it. You know what I mean? Like they're learning that as where the intermediate advanced program is learning like, okay, I'm new to LA and I want to be a professional dancer. How do I get to that level? Mm. So we got the two programs. Then I have my industry experience program. So I have three programs and my company. And the industry experience program is where I take 13 dancers. One of them is the artist, no matter what. Um, and I bring in different people who have choreographed actual things. So last month I brought in Seanette Hurd and she taught them uh, Janet's All For You and staged it. And then um, I had Sienna Lalau come in and teach uh, J-Lo's, Jennifer Lopez's um, Cambio Pasa, uh, which was her performance we did for Global Citizen. So they're learning things we actually have done in rehearsals and they're paying me to get that experience so I can pay these other choreographers. So I pay about 13 or 14 choreographers every quarter, we were quarters. So we do January, February, March as a quarter, then you know April, May, June, mm -hmm. July, August, September, blah, blah. We have four quarters a year. And I bring in 13 different choreographers for each quarter. And um, yeah, right now our clientele is about 130 dancers. Um, and it, it's, it's funny because in Seattle, I swear it was always me and Kalani. You know, he had PG and I had Potion. And now in LA, he has Creative Minds and I have Potion. <laughs> so, oh, wow. you know, it, it's a full circle because we were training everyone in Seattle and now the two of us are training everybody in LA. <laughs> is there anything else like you? Is there other mentorship that's actually a mentorship? Yeah. Um, Rhapsody has one from New York. Um, uh, Kat Rendick has one that was uh, one of Kevin Maher's kids from before. She choreographs for a lot of artists and um, used to dance for Britney as well. And then uh, Deanna Matos, uh, Ivan Komive's uh, wife, girlfriend. Oh, okay. Baby's mom. I don't know what to call her. Uh, <laughs> but uh, she has a program and she's phenomenal too. So yeah, there's a lot of programs. There's a lot of competition there. Um, but I actually started the program in LA first. <laughs> you know, Good I was the first you. one to start a mentorship here. And, and though, you know, there's always going to be something newer and new and hot, you know, like I trust what I'm doing. I think we all offer something different. Mine's a lot more industry-based. Um, you know, some some are for movement. Some are for like push classes. I think Kalani's is more like, this is the room. It's the push classroom. And mine's more like, all right, this is what how things work in the industry. Um, and, you know, and I bring in a lot of industry choreographers or, you know, I'll bring in like a Luther Brown, a creative director like Tabitha Napoleon. Paula's coming next next week to teach them cold-hearted snake. Oh my gosh. Wow. I, know, I, I had parents <laughs> hit me up and be like, can I come? <laughs> <laughs> I'll be right down. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I had a friend that crashed that video and got in the got in it. 
she didn't have an agent and I don't know how she, like you said, you sneak into class. So she somehow got in the door and got hired. She's a redhead, Nancy Kemphouse from Seattle. Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah. And so like, how did you get in there? Because I think nobody really knew about agents back in that time. It wasn't really such a big thing. Yeah. So I always have a question at the end. I really never know what it's going to be, but um, not just the love of dance. Do you know what it is that has made you just keep pursuing this when it's hard? Or is it as simple as the love of dance? Or is there something else that when you think I should just go do something easier? Or You know what? I think it's because it's all I've ever known. I mean, if I'm being completely honest, like my life has always been dance, which is why right now at 34, I'm trying to venture out or find balance in other things because I don't want when my body is completely done or when I'm not relevant anymore. Like I don't want to go through a depression. I think that's what my mom went through and I don't want to end up like that. So, you know, um, I think, yeah, the reason I still do it is because I think I do have knowledge that is needed especially right now in dance especially after covid um i i think it's still relevant i think the fact that i transitioned into wanting to teach and choreograph so young i didn't realize that i still had so many things to learn you know and i think you know i was always like why am i not choreographing for this artist and this artist and this artist and tabitha and napoleon kind of were honest with me they were like well cameron you moved to LA and two years later, we're already teaching classes. Like people aren't looking at those people. They're looking at the ones who want to be dancers. They, no one thinks you're a dancer. They see you as a teacher. They see you as a choreographer. And so if you want to choreograph more, you're going to have to build more credentials as a dancer. Like you have to build those relationships. And so I mm. took a step back in 2018. And that's when I auditioned for Brittany and then did Paula in those things. Cause I didn't really have a lot of credentials, even though I had the knowledge and experience I just didn't have, I didn't have the names in order for people to go, oh yeah, let's hire that guy, you know? And so I feel like I had to catch up later because I started younger in the other direction. It's like, I almost switched out yeah. and so now, and now I'm doing all three while running a business. So wow. I, I think ultimately I'm a workaholic. I'm obsessed with making money. I, anytime I'm doing something, I'm like, all right, how can we make this better? I think even with, um, my mentorship staff, I have like at least three meetings a month where I'm like, all right, what, what can we do different? What, what's, what's hot right now? How can we incorporate that into what's going to make this a better business, you know? And, um, or, or, um, you know, I, I just, I don't know. I like to do a lot of evaluations. I like to see what I can do to make things better. I feel like we can constantly as business owners, like, you know, evolve or, or grow or, you know, do what works for us, but also like, what can we do in order to build the clientele more or to, to bring in the right people or to bring more quality into my space, you know? And I don't, I don't want to get too comfortable. And I feel like every time I get comfortable, I start noticing that transition. And I'm like, that's why we needed two more meetings this month, you know? Mm, mm. And so I have, you know, Tito, right? Remember Tito? Tito was in Potion and Dance. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he is my, like, he does our accounting. He's our, uh, like, he does like marketing and accounting for us. Um, and then I have uh, one of my good friends who uh, also used to be in the mentorship he does like our um, administration and uh, management. And then I have another person, Abby, who is the co 
manager of that. And she takes care of finances as well. So I have people who are doing everything and I just pretty much sign off on everything and then read everything. Cause I have to be involved with every little step. I don't trust yeah. people. Um, you know, and, and it's like, I, I have a strong, good team. Not that I don't trust them, but I, I, you know, you know how no, it is yeah, you have to make yeah. sure you can yeah. find everything, you know, you never know. Um, but you know, it, I think it just takes a solid team in order to build more success. And, and because we're growing, it's something I'm still excited about. So even though it, I, I just would say it's always dance related, like no matter what I do, it'll be affiliated with dance. But right now my passion is the business side of it, mm. but I'm still dancing professionally at the same time as a side job. Like now that used to be the goal. Now that's my side job. Like if I'm doing JLo, it's because I'm like, okay, this is a big show or she has this new movie coming out. Um, dancers are going to see this and that's relevant to them. So if I'm dancing for JLo right now, that's going to bring in 30 new dancers this month. Oh yeah. You're seeing the whole picture. So she yeah. has you kind of just ready. You're ready to go and she's going to call you. She's got She's not touring, right? She's got gigs here and there. And then you, when she needs you, you'll go. I'm apparently doing her tour next year. Really? Wow. And then, um, yeah, she's doing a tour next year. Right now she's working on a visual album, kind of like Beyonce's one she did before. Um, so I'm working on her with that. Um, but yeah, like, honestly, yeah, she really, I know she had a show during our potion show that she asked me to do. And I told her no. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Cause I was like, I, I love you, but right now I have my company show and this is like where my heart's at and they already had auditions. I'm not going to take that away from them. We already started selling tickets and got the venue. So I'll be available for the next one. And then because she didn't get me and two of the other male dancers that she loves having next to her, she just canceled the show and it was in Abu Dhabi. <laughs> Well, see, that's when you don't have to take everything because you're afraid if you don't, you're going to lose all your traction. Yeah. That means you're in a good place for you. You're not going to take everything in fear of, of not getting the next thing. Yeah. And sometimes you have to think about the bigger picture. Like, yes, this is a, I'm trying not to live so in the moment anymore because that's what my life's always been as an artist. Now I'm trying to think smarter. Like, okay, well, if I hold this community showcase, that's going to inspire more aspiring dancers. That's going to bring in clientele. And then I can do a show with Jen next month. And then this, the quarter after that, that'll bring in more students. So right there, that's already 60 more people in the next, you know, 30 days. Like, you know, yeah. like, my, my daughter and I would joke cause she'd have friends over and we'd be watching if it was the whatever music awards, the Grammys and like, Oh, there's Cameron. Oh, there's Brian. There's Daniel. There's whatever. And they'd look like, are you guys lying? Like, She's like, no, my mom knows these people. And it was always, it felt like we were pretending because for a while, there's so many of you out there working and it was, you know, I could be a, bra a bragging mother. Like, have you seen my son, Cameron, how many trophies he's had? It's just more like, these are good people that had good work ethic. And it's, it is really fun to, uh, you know, to support your success. But also like, if you stop dancing, you're gonna be loved just as much. So I think yes. for some people, like, I'm afraid to come back from LA unless I've got a job. Like, you went down there. You did the big thing of leaving. It's okay. No one's going to judge you if you didn't, you know, get in with the biggest artist. But, you know, it has been really fun to watch your journey. So I'm grateful to get to hear more of your story. And I'm excited for people to hear this, the people that came out of the cabaret bluebell world. And then when I shared this, Westlake people can hear it because 
I think it really is good to hear the truth of the business, the good and the bad and the hard work it takes and, you know, what it takes to not give up. And those are good things to hear because I don't know that I think this generation going through COVID, like you said, it's a different, it's a different game. Different it's really, breed. <laughs> yeah, it's a different breed. Let's start a group. Uh, <laughs> I can't. Wait a minute. <laughs> breed 2.0. That, that name feels normal now, but when I first heard that, I just think of dog, like breeding dogs. I just went, what? It just was the ugliest word to me. And now it's like just normal. Yeah. But I was like, there's you. a group called the Breed. Like, okay. <laughs> and then he went talk to them about that name. So I'm going to let you go, Cameron. And um, I want to send some, if you could send me pictures when this comes out, I would love, you know, just you hanging out with Paula Abdul. There's pictures of her hugging you. And there's like the text that she sent you that's so sweet. And just you and JLo hanging out. So your dance shows, anything you want to share, your early early teen days at Westlake, we'll pull up some potion with the mass or something just because the whole, the whole journey matters. It's not just once you've arrived, it's everything that got you there, everything that you're still continuing to create, you know, what's next. So I know you're going to do great things. Thank you. We'll talk about that studio studio transition pretty soon, but not yet. Literally, (laughs) you know, that's, that's the one thing I haven't done that I've always said I wanted to do. So studio is definitely next on the list. Yeah. And it has to be the right timing. It has to be because it's what you love. Yeah. Ah, thank you, my friend. Thank you. Love you. Love you too. Bye.